Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us. Nine minutes after two o'clock. Now we're journeying down memory lane and I suppose also forward looking. And uh, we're doing it looking at the life and times of Mum Adelaide Tambo. And I'm I'm here in studio with Zing Simang, CEO of Oliver and Adelaide Tambo Foundation. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. You know, when, when I talk about Mum Adelaide, I, I literally cannot help it. But I have joy, literally every piece of my fibre. Um, has joy in it because Mm. what a human being. What an amazing, amazing woman. You know, she was, um, she was so ahead of her time. Mm. She was uh, a legend in her own right. You know, the things that she accomplished even prior to meeting Oliver Tambo are simply amazing. She, I mean, she was, uh, there's a lot of things that people don't know and I'm actually quite embarrassed to say that I didn't know a lot of these things before <laughs> I joined Such is a good story. <laughs> Such is a good story. The foundation. But I mean she was basically she credits being politicized to the fact that she saw her grandfather being falsely accused and arrested. Um and this was when she was 10 years old. Mm. And he was beaten by a policeman, a young white boy, who was, you know, a quarter of his age. He was mm. 82. And she said to herself, this is it. When I grow up, this is what I'm going to do, you know. Mm. And I'm going to fight apartheid. I'm going to fight injustice. There was no apartheid then because it was even yes. before it had been um, legislated. legislated. So she really was... Um, a fierce freedom fighter. She had it inside of her, you know, from a very early age. And by the age of 18, she was, she joined the ANC Youth League and she was elected the chairperson of the George Goch branch. Mm. So this is really somebody who um, spent her entire life uh, in service of people. In her, in her career, she was a nurse, which is a caregiving um um, profession, but she was also a diplomat. She was always also somebody who hosted presidents. I mean, yes, yes she was an amazing human being. She th- that's just it, right? The complexities and how multifaceted she mm. was, and how forward she was in her thinking, in her in her mindset as well. We were speaking off air about how what a what a free spirited person she was, mm. and and how how we dishonor her every single time we peg her along with others and not allow her to stand on her own on her own two feet and i don't think that's a, i think that's a problem across the board so you have a lot of um female freedom fighters and even as i say that i hesitate because neither the word freedom nor the word fighter is gendered. Mm -hmm. So it's very unfortunate that people associate freedom fighters with with men and then you begin saying, oh, the female freedom fighter, you know, when in fact she was just a freedom fighter. So I think that um, with Mum Adelaide, that is, it's it's the complexity. It's the fact that she was a woman who was doing things in a time that other women were not or Mm -hmm. were not able to or didn't have the access to do those things. So, I mean, in terms of, I think she met, uh, before meeting Oliver Tumble, she had started opening branches of the ANC. Mm -hmm. A lot of the women of that generation um, credit her with teaching them about feminism. Yes. 
But at the same time, they'll also say, oh, she loved to look good. Mm. Oh, pep- she- Listen, <laughs> you know, I've seen a collection of some of the most treasured pieces that she wore, scarves and, and things that were just amazing because it was important to her. Exactly. And it's that thing uh, in that in that era we now understand more and are more liberated in terms of it is absolutely okay to be completely fabulous and look good and be a feminist and be a mother and be a you know so she encapsulated all of those roles with such ease Mm. and i think what a lot of people don't realize is that she was the first lady you know in exile she was the first lady first lady for almost 30 years. And and her stepping out into that role in the international spaces was a big deal. You know, people I think don't recognize just what a profoundly worldly person that she was. Um, the world stage was was really her, her way she played a lot of her politics. Exactly. And it was also where she was able to assist mm. in a different way, mm. but assist nonetheless in attaining freedom in this country because they're the politics that happen on the street, they're politics that happen in the camps, but they're also the politics that happen around dinner tables. They're politics yeah. that, you know, there's a whole art of diplomacy that yeah. she she had down pat. She was the ultimate diplomat, wasn't she? She was. She was the ultimate diplomat. For she me, that's, that's, that comes through in, in many ways. And I think that that diplomacy and being able to skirt yourself around that diplomacy, you see it a lot in, in people who were in her community, yes. um, who have emulated her, her diplomacy, and as a result, achieved a lot mm. as well. Mm. No, definitely. And I think in that, there was also a very strong sense of feminism. Mm. So because she was doing um, what many others hadn't done before in her generation, there's also the political aspect where she was the founder of the Pan-Africans Women, Women's Association, you know? So there was there were um, a lot of political things that she was doing that were looking specifically at females mm. and at gender equity. Mm. The nursing fraternity, I mean, is is indebted to her to this day. Um, there is an academy. There is a there is a fund that that still supports nurses to this day. I mean, the impact of her being a nurse and um, to that community in this country. Just talk to me about that. Yeah, and I think it was twofold because if we remember how much time she spent outside of the country, there was also uh, the nursing fraternity there that came to really admire and respect her in order for her husband to do a lot of the work that he had to do, she had to hold down three jobs. Yeah. So she had constant um, shifts as a nurse and was able to sustain the family to a large extent that way. So her, but it was also who she was. Mm. So she was a, an innate caregiver. You know, when she came back to South Africa, she started a, a home for the elderly. Yes. Um, Zwalonke Women's Group, which is still in existence today. Mm. And that was really about, it was old people that she was very, very affectionate towards and, and caring towards. It was also young children, of course. But also people who had um, disabilities, people who basically were were 
um, within that realm of needing that assistance from a community that are often forgotten, you know? Mm -hmm. So she did um, a lot. And in her honor, you had spoken about other, the nursing academy, etc. But there's also a school Mm -hmm. um, that is named in her honor, and it's the Adelaide School for the Physically Challenged. Mm and children with learning disabilities. And this was named after her in 1999. And it's it's an amazing school. They have just under 500 pupils, um, mainly from Soweto, but from provinces as well. And again, this is one of her legacy projects. Yeah. This is one of the things that really highlights what was important to her and still lives um, years and years later. I really want to hear from you. If you've had any interaction with Mum Adelaide, you may have. If you remember any stories, I'd love to hear from you. I'll share some of the stories I've heard. 891 You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. So we are looking at Mum uh, Adelaide Tambo as uh, her story feature this afternoon. Sin Simang, CEO of Alibi and Adelaide Tambo, is with us this afternoon. And we're just really going down memory lane. And we, we were speaking earlier, um, Sin, about how she, she was such a first lady in many <laughs> yeah. respects, right? But she was also so connected, mm. so connected to so humble so connected to the ground you know uh and we remember when they returned uh, it just was like it was just like the queen has <laughs> returned you know yeah. so so connected still to her roots so connected to the people here even when she spent so much time overseas yeah and i think that as that connection is extremely t- important to us as the foundation there's a, a lot of work that we're doing around ensuring that her profile is raised and that more people understand who she was and what she did, but also that we're able to service the communities that were so important to her and that she spent so much time in, you know? Mm. So, um, and it was, it was the, it was almost the soft touches. I mean, every year she had a Christmas party. Oh, God forbid (laughs) that Christmas party did not take place. You know, she made sure that everyone in the community, single mothers were Mm. able to give presents to their children. Mm. You know, just a lot of community groundwork, which is so in terms of the work that we're doing around her, we're actually looking at what we had been chatting about, which is... um, how patriarchy works, mm. even in terms of our memories of people mm. and making sure that going forward, their legacies and in many instances, th- the narrative needs to be rewritten. Mm. We need to actively say, yeah. um, we need to remember this person and this in is her the own re- right. in her own right. Yeah. And this is how we are going to do it. I mean, we have a um, series of discussions which we're doing in my Adelaide's um, honor. She was born on the 18th of July, 1929. So she shared a birthday with Madiba. Madiba. Yep. Um, so that is the month that we launched this program and we'll be running it. She would have been 90 this year. So we'll be running it until um, July 2020. But we're doing a a series of engagements and the title of them is deconstructing the definition of a freedom fighter i mean not just a wife well not even saying because i've heard this a lot in our attempt to try and do this it's women freedom fighters exactly we we then have a subcategory exactly which then means they don't quite belong exactly in the main we need to have a special section for them 
And this is why. And so we'll cross along health issues, which were so important to her. We're going to be looking at women in the MK. Yes. And what that experience was like for them. Um, But we also want to make sure that we get to a place where women who contributed to the struggle are recognized for their contributions and and not just contributions for their role because you know a contribution also uh, almost makes it seem like limited, it's a piece of something limited, yeah. you know you did this this yeah. and also yeah. but actually when you deconstruct the definition of a freedom fighter it is somebody who fought against injustices mm. and who did did so her entire life and as i said earlier literally from the age of 10 you know it could have been easy for her to just sit in the wings of a major freedom fighter you know she was living with a hero a hero sure. who we today still celebrate as one of the greatest leaders there was but she stood her own you know she stood in her own ground and i think that's i think for me where where we fail her that we don't recognize just how much there are many first ladies that just go obscure exactly and, and that, you know that wasn't the case with her women that interacted with her uh speak of just how empowering it was being in her space and how she imparted knowledge political knowledge um that was not necessarily something that for instance you know other people could impart on her and also that she um she owned her space correct you know and she was unapologetic about who she was very clear about um her role not just as a freedom fighter but also um how important it was to be a mother mm. i mean she was almost a single mother given the circumstances yes. Yes. you know so she raised these three children on her own and in addition to the three children there were all the children mm-hmm. of exile the people who were always in and out you know the community uh, the community and the, after 1976 that and the riots um at home that that just doubled or trebled you know mm-hmm. and she was that first point of call mm-hmm. the first stop almost for children because they were children you mm. know they were really young young people mm. who had fled the country and needed to be educated and needed to be accommodated and needed to be fed and and my adelaide did all of that whilst being the first lady and whilst being that that person in her own right and whilst working as a nurse and i mean she's spectacular and looking fabulous and <laughs> looking absolutely fierce always <laughs> so one has to wonder and this is my problem H- how are we going to keep this legacy alive and and not fight to keep it alive if that makes any sense it feels like such an effort right it feels like you're pushing against come on do this remember you know i feel like sh- for somebody with her stature that's that shouldn't be the case i think as the world changes and as we progress from a from a feminist perspective these stories become more available to us and they become more people willing to tell them mm-hmm. but what is very important to the foundation is that we begin to have young people who tell the story 
for us. Adelaide's generation is going. She, mm -hmm. she, as I said, she would have been 90. Mm -hmm. And so the, the baton needs to be passed on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. But also looking, I mean, we do a lot of work and we've got a project where we're looking at people who are in young women who are in the first year of university. Mm -hmm. And how do we get them and encourage them to tell the stories of women mm -hmm. from women's perspectives mm -hmm. and women's voices. So I don't think it's going to be easy to get men to go back and rewrite history mm -hmm. or to go back and correct narratives. Mm -hmm. But we can start to do, to do that. And you saw that a lot um, with the passing of Winnie Mandela, where mm -hmm. that, oh, yes. that, that fight that she had had for so much of her life in, in her passing, people stood up and said no. And it was young women uh, who took over the mantle and who literally said, this is how her story will be told. And I think that um, it was a watershed moment mm. and it also led the way in many ways for an interest and, and an understanding of the importance of our stories being told by us, mm. but also our stories being told about those that came before us. We reflect on her life and her legacy. We do. Do you? What do you think she would have wanted her legacy to be? I think that she would have wanted her legacy to be. I think a lot of it is being done because she was humble. So when yes. you have the she, school and, and so you, on, the yes. school and Watville, Watville was where where her heart was. It's where she's buried. And she wanted the best for that community. I mean, we've got a project called Passing the Baton, and we do it in um, Ekululeni, and we do it there precisely because we know that those that community meant so much to the to the Tambos. Mm. And I really think that to see every child educated, that would be what she wanted in that area to know. I mean, she spoke. Um, endlessly about education. She was so, so passionate about it. I mean, so, so in a way, it's, it's, it's also our responsibility as a media to just reflect that because the community, so in a, in a funny kind of way, as you were saying about Mamwini, it doesn't mean that the stuff is not happening. Exactly. It, it's just how much we reflect on that. Exactly. And, and we get to mirror what it is that the community already knows about this individual. And if you go to that community, yeah, they'll they, tell you. That's exactly They will tell you. Exactly this is it. not uh, for them yes. Oliver Tumble Month. It's yeah. Oliver and Adelaide this Tumble Month. They are very clear. Thank you so much. How do people come and become a part of what you're doing and celebrating <laughs> her life? You know, somebody's probably listening and thinking, my goodness, I don't know about your talks. I don't know. I, I'm so interested. I'm so I want to do or be a part of something that uh, you guys are doing. Well, you can um, go to our website, yes. which is at Tumble Foundation. In fact, all our handles. So whether it's Instagram, Twitter, we're at uh, Tumble Foundation, or you can send an email to info um, at tumblefoundation.org.za. So lovely having you. It was so nice to be <laughs> it's, here. I mean, I, I, there's so much to talk about, but um, we will keep track of what's happening and keep in touch. I really appreciate the time you've given us. Thank you so much. Zeng Simang is CEO of Oliver and Adelaide Tumble Foundation, and that will be available as a podcast 2.30 now. Let's go to Utsi Lasako for the latest in headlines.